As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, we thought we would go ahead and take another play-by-play of uh, Final Crisis number six. This time we've got myself, Matthew, and Rodrigo sitting in. And uh, I guess we'll give some general impressions toward the end. But page one, we've got Superman and Brainiac walking somewhere, Brainiac 5, walking somewhere, presumably in the Legion, but... This is the part that already doesn't make sense because Superman was last seen bouncing through the worlds in this Superman Beyond series. And then all of a sudden he's here. And so obviously there's some kind of continuity issue. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would would suspect that this takes place at the end of Legion of Three Worlds just because of the fact that it's the, the action comics Brainiac 5. Yeah, so again, doesn't shouldn't that mean then that somebody needs to get their printing schedules hurried up a little bit so all of this makes a little bit more sense? Well, you have to understand in this time of writing for the trade, yeah. they figure, you know, they'll just collect it in order when it's all done. Yeah. Mm. Have we seen Brainiac's little uh tile stepping vault before? I have not. Okay. Um it's, it's pretty like awesome. The, uh, it's like that Michael Jackson video. <laughs> it actually reminds me of uh, a Doctor Who episode, strangely enough, and the climax of Indiana Jones and the Temple of uh, of uh, Sean Connery. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost yeah. Temple of Doom. Only the penitent man shall pass. Uh, so then uh, Brainiac reveals the deus ex machina, which um, is called the um, God Weapon, or the Gay Judala da Absolute, or whatever it makes sense, the Miracle Machine. This has Correct. actually been in uh, Matthew as a Legion person. This has actually been a plot device from an old Legion series, right? That is correct. The Miracle Machine um, was a gift to United Planets, and it was kept... Well, there are actually a couple of appearances that were important. It was kept in Legion headquarters because it was so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back and check the archives, there's a review of what they refer to as that damned Legion tabloid. Mm-hmm. which was the wedding of Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl. At the end of that story, we see the Miracle Machine. It's also important in the history of Matter Eater Lad in that the Miracle Machine is used to power Omega, the giant ravaging beast, when Brainiac 5 loses his mind. 
And Matter Eater Lad saves the day by eating the Miracle Machine. Ah, so the Miracle Machine is sitting here. What up with that? I'm going to have to go with Infinite Earths. <laughs> dun, dun, ah! Okay. Well, it was, never, it was never pictured as that big before either. It was always a small device, you know, something that seemed to be roughly the size of a bread box or so. So I, you know, this has got to be a new interpretation of the Miracle Machine, mm -hmm. which then again, you know, has to ask that important question. Is the Action Comics Legion the actual original Legion or not? Because this is a pretty major change to Legion history. Yeah, especially for somebody who claims that he's trying to pay homage to everything that's gone on before in DC Comics. Hmm. I would agree. All right, so then we flip over to the uh, Justice League orbiting satellite, which looks just like the one from the Justice League International animated series. Justice, Justice League, League Unlimited, Unlimited uh, animated series. It looks very cool. And we've got the Tattoo Man in there, and all of a sudden, uh, these, uh, what are they, the Defilers, come and attack. But the Ray is there, which we haven't seen the Ray in, like, forever, have we? The Ray was in uh, Final Crisis either 4 or 5, and he helped evacuate Black Canary and the Tattoo oh, Man okay. up to the, the uh, Watchtower. Okay. But it, it seems to imply that the uh, they are the Defilers, isn't that their names? Justifiers, I believe. Yeah, the Justifiers. It, he makes it seem like they're after him, as opposed to after everybody on the station. With the line, I can't leave you? Yeah. I think the implication is actually that the Ray is the only one who can leave. Ah, okay. There's no power on Earth. The teleporters are down. Ray actually powered the teleporter with his own powers to get there. Okay. So he could leave, but that would leave Black Canary and um, the Flash Widows Club. And if you notice, uh, Jay and Iris West, right. while, while these kids are there. Right, because the last time we saw them, they were down on the uh, uh, Justice League main <coughs> Earth facility or whatever it's called. I believe the Ray teleported them up in a previous issue as well, but okay. I want to say it was like four. Okay. So it's been six months ago that we read about it. All right. But then the Justifiers arrived. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then all, all heck text breaks loose. fits perfectly into this page. And we get <laughs> we get the Pervo fight that I think yeah. Grant Morrison has been wanting in that. I, I actually looked at this and it, it occurred to me, Mary Marvel, mm -hmm. who has been corrupted by her dirty magic word, fighting Kara Zor-El, the new Supergirl, and Mary's all tarted up in leather with, you know, bondage fetish gear. And Supergirl still looks like more of a trollop <laughs> in her, her little micro mini skirt and yeah. her belly button sticking out. I, I'm still not a fan of, uh, of this version of, of Mary Marvel. In fact, Rodrigo had a question about it. And he had to say, mm -hmm. who is this, really? Is this really Mar Mary Marvel? It's it, the hair. Yeah. When, when did that happen? That happened, I guess, at some point leading us into Final Crisis. Because I, I remember... It actually happened in Final Crisis number one, I yeah, think. Yeah, number one, she showed up like Because I remember she, I remember her turning into, like, skanky cheerleader. Right, which was fun. Which was fine. Um, but... No, the, not fine. The, the, fun. This, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Sorry. I, I did not... Uh, I did not... Notice when she started taking uh, hair tips from Bozo. <laughs> well, this is—I uh, just love this this two-page spread that we have here, uh, where they're fighting. 
uh, because in amongst their fighting, we see all of these signs, you know, the signs on the side of the bus and parking garages and everything with this submit on there. Mm. And that to me is a perfect striking, um, almost an homage to They Live. They Live. Because remember, yep. when you put on the glasses, then you could see all the subliminal okay. messages. And i that's what I got out of that. Now, maybe that's not what they were going for, uh, but that's what I liked of Obey it. Obey Grand Morrison. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've also got this point where everybody's battling on the bridge. And for some right. reason, I thought they were in Bloodhaven. Now, all of a sudden, they're on this bridge fighting. I think the bridge is in Bloodhaven. Oh, okay. I got the impression I, that we were in Metropolis because Bloodhaven should have been a nuclear wasteland. I, I'm i not sure. I'm almost certain they're in Bloodhaven. Because we're uh, Fine, be that way. <laughs> and I like how Black Adam gets into this fight, too, and finally calls Mary by who she really is. And I know people have speculated before that yeah. she was being possessed by Desaad because he's got this, this uh, BDSM fetish thing going on. But until they, right. they really spelled it out, I was like, oh, okay, now it finally makes sense. Although, when you think about it, though, the Granny Goodness, whenever she was embedded, n- uh, never really took on the Granny Goodness persona. Mm-hmm. Uh, even yeah. the Glorious Godfly, or Godfrey, he didn't take on yep. that per- persona. It only seems to be Desaad that has really taken this on. Even Calabac has not been, I don't know, that... All, all calabac Interesting. Yeah. Even Go interesting well, at all, did, never. Did Calabac have much of a personality to begin with? No. Thank you. <laughs> I think I am a head sure with arms have... and legs. Boogity boogity boogity. I'm not sure if it has so much to do with Desaad as it has to do with Mary's mental state at the end of Final Crisis. Remember, yeah. she at lost the end of her countdown. Power. Countdown, you mean? Yeah, yeah, countdown, and then got evil powers, mm-hmm. and then sort of felt like she redeemed herself, and then went evil again. So right. she basically fell, tried to climb back up, fell even further, and I'm wondering if, you know, Desaad's perversions just sounded good to her because she was, you know, so far gone. Yeah, that may have been. I like the I like uh, Supergirl going, you calling me a slut? Well, yes, we are, Supergirl, <laughs> and you've been wearing that costume that requires special shaving for five years. <laughs> I'm going to keep calling you that until you put on some pants. Could be worse. You could be wearing a thong, a leather jacket, and a headband. Yeah, there you go. We're going we're gonna to get to Witchblade later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Billy Bat, not Billy, uh, Freddie Freeman, the new Freddie Captain Freeman. Marvel, uh, comes up with this ingenious idea. But before we get to that, we actually get to see Calabac. Now, Calabac, last issue, was revealed to be turned into a, a tiger man and his legion of right. tigers. And he was about to sneak up on uh, Talkie Tawny, one of my least favorite characters in, in all of Fawcett Comics or DC Comics. Never heard of him. Talkie Tawny was the talking tiger companion of Billy Batson and the Shazam family. Um, um, was he always an and, anthropomorphic tiger? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. and he was very cartoony, but here's the thing that I love. And I said this previously, not so long ago, about Fire Lad. There's a moment here where Takitani is about to be, you know, and granted, it's Calabac, so how important can it be? <laughs> but it's, a, it's about to be attacked by a supervillain, and Takitani has what I like to refer to as a Wolverine badass moment. Yeah. Where he just says, hey, screw this, and you know, you never back a tiger into a corner, because you know he's going to strike, and he certainly does. 
don't let my cultured tones deceive you, Tawny bites, and he just leaps and starts taking Calabac on on his own terms. It's and it's hysterical. a pretty cool, I mean, the, I like the art, and the art is done by like t- 20 different people here. We've got uh, J.G. Jones, Marco Rudy, Carlos Pachenko, and Jesus Marino. Uh, you know, the way they've drawn this cat fight, it actually looks like two cats fighting. As opposed to the previous cat fight. As opposed to the previous cat fight, exactly. Right. Uh, again, it would be nice to know when everything takes place in continuity, because Supergirl saying, hey, look, I can't, I can't harm these civilians. Uh, but at the same time, in this recent Superman Supergirl Maelstrom series, she comes to the realization that sometimes civilians have to get hurt. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they take place at different times. Yeah, but which comes first? So, uh, uh, the chicken. Oh, wait, the egg. Oh, wait, then the egg would hatch. The chicken. dinosaur no, comes egg. first. The dinosaur. So then uh, Captain Marvel, or Shazam, what are we calling him now? Is he Shazam, is he Shazam yeah. or Captain Marvel? He is Shazam. All right. He grabs a hold of, of uh, Desaad Mary Marvel, shouts his magic word, and turns them both back into Freddie Freeman and the Mary Marvel that we know. At the same time, freaking Talkie Tawny rips the guts right out of yeah. uh, out of uh, Calabac. It is, I mean, it's a moment. He completely disembowels him on panel, which is both horrifying and awesome that the cutesy cartoony sidekick is the one who brought the, you know, the real pain in the fight. And of course... Calabac has been transformed into a tiger and he's leading this group of tiger men and he starts begging for help and they're all like, no help, strong is only. And I find it interesting I love that, that moment. I, I find it interesting that the cats are riding the dogs. Dogs and cats living <laughs> together. Dogs and cats. Cats riding on dogs. It'll be chaos. No, this is the question, red though. Red skies, burning seas. Wait a minute. We do, <laughs> we have, do red have red skies, skies and burning, and burning seas. No, Teenage <laughs> sluts beating each other. So this is the question, though, that I have about this. Why did Calabac and why are some of these characters or why are some of the, the new gods, uh, why have they been transferred into animal bodies? Why couldn't they just stay in human hosts? Like what happened with Darkseid and Desaad and Granny Goodness and all these other guys? What's the short answer? Yes. Jack Kirby. Okay. This has been a reference and kind of a love a, letter to Kirby, but in is this a reference Command, to Commandy, yeah, in Commandy there were the groups of various people, and the Tiger Men riding dogs is an homage to that Commandy series, which was you know post-apocalyptic, where there were whole races of Tiger Men and mm-hmm. Gorilla Men and the the giant dogs as mounts. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing with the Tiger Men. In fact, if you look at the costume that. Uh, Calabac is wearing. I mean, granted, Calabac is also looks, a Kirby creation. Right. It's but very it's, Kirby-esque. It's pure Kirby. Yeah. Now, this brings up the next question, then. Yes. <clears throat> Calabac is not really Darkseid's son. Calabac is the son of uh, High Father, right? No. Then they do You're the whole switch of Orion. Thing. Yeah, but Orion is Darkseid's son that went to live on New Genesis. Correct. And, and the High was, Father's son... No, the High Father's son who went to live on Apocalypse was Mr. Miracle. Oh, that's right. Dang it. Scott Free, yeah, the original okay. Mr. All right, all right, all right. Because I was going to say, how come we haven't seen any of the uh, good new gods appear in this series? Mr. Beyond Miracle? The fact, beyond the, well, this Mr. Miracle, though, is not, 
is not Scott Free Mr. Miracle. This is uh what's his name? Shiloh Norman. Shiloh Norman. Uh Sonny Sumo. Was he also a new god? Uh-huh. I didn't ever read the uh yeah. I've got to go back and read. Have you ever read any of the Mr. Miracle stories, Rodrigo? Mm-mm. What do you think this means now that the uh, the Tiger Men have sworn allegiance to Takitani? Is the tide beginning to turn? I think it's one of those moments where you look at it and you realize that maybe there is a chance after all. I mean, okay. if you figure Mr. Mr. Terrific last issue seemed to be able to regain some control of the Omax and mm-hmm. Talkie Tawny now has the legions of tiger men. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's a moment where it's, it's like the end of the return of the King where you have, Oh look, and now we have a ghost army too. Oh, and then the Eagles come and rescue everybody. That's, that's exactly. how I bet this series is going to end. A giant Eagle is going to swoop out of the sky and save the last boy on earth. And they're going to ride off into the sunset. Yeah, that seems highly likely. Well, it's meanwhile, Grant Morrison. Yeah. Meanwhile, over at checkmate headquarters, Checkmate uh, Castle. Shiloh Norman takes off his mask, and he looks like a white guy. Yeah, that kind of bothered me. Is this a? I think. Does I he think look like? A, does this look like Grant Morrison, or is this a coloring issue? I think it's a coloring issue, and I'm not sure if it's. Honestly, I'm not sure if it's a coloring error or if it's because that whole sequence has weird coloring. They see they're in the castle. They seem to be lit strangely. Yeah, even fact, Mr. Mr. Terrific, Terrific looks like he's bald there. Yeah, and he looks awful pink. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if it's not an effect of <laughs> supposed to be an effect of the red skies or something. Because Mr. Terrific is also an African American and he doesn't yeah. really look it here. And Sonny Sumo does not look uh very Asian. Well, Sonny Sumo never has looked very Asian really. At least in this series. And then uh the next and then, of page, course, go ahead. Wonder Woman in bondage gear. Yeah, you gotta love that. And Catwoman, or is that yeah, we've got Catwoman. Batwoman, Batwoman, Wonder Woman, Giganta, which and, we've talked about before. Yep. And is there another there are, one? Those are the four Furies. No. Four female The four Furies. female Furies. There's Death, War, Famine, and a uh, guy who talks behind you in the theater, I think. The four <laughs> uh, you got to love this comment. I, I know that... The, I, I don't know how to interpret... Uh, and again, I never read Seven Soldiers of Victory... I take it Rodrigo never read Seven Soldiers of, of Victory. No. I bet, Matthew, you didn't read Seven Soldiers of Victory. <laughs> I did. Actually, I take that back. I read the uh, Bulleteer or whatever her name was, and I read part of the Mr. Miracle story. But what's the deal with renaming Mother Box a different name and all of this stuff? They have to know who they are inhabiting these bodies, right? Or have they not made that realization? The, re- the reworking of Mr. Miracle in the Seven Soldiers of Victory, was, well, it, it seemed to be trying to make him sort of a um, a P. Diddy kind of, you know, star. Yeah. To where he's famous and people love him. And, you know, he was he's like an international superstar. And the whole mother box with a triple X at the end was just one of those things that I went, oh, look, they're trying to be all topical. I see. So. Well, the uh, this group of people that Mr. Miracle and Sonny Sumo have gathered around them, they start rattling off uh, the powers that each of them have, and then they say, Superbat, you never told me what your power was. And Superbat says, I have the greatest power of all, Mr. Miracle. I'm so rich I can do anything. <laughs> so he's Batman. Yeah, exactly. And it looks like 
that helmet that he's holding almost looks like something Ant-Man would wear. Maybe he's going to telekinetically control bats. Maybe that would be kind of cool. I was expecting his power to be, I'm, uh, I've got the best power of all, Mr. Miracle, the writer's whim. Which seems to be your favorite, uh, your favorite out. Complacency of the writer. <laughs> so it's we... not just a superpower; it's Batman. <laughs> so we jump up, back up to the satellite, uh, and we get this. I guess it's a fitting uh, meetup between Green Arrow and Black Canary, as he's telling them, "Hey, you guys need to submit." And uh, they turn off the gravity in the satellite, and then they just start having an anti-gravity uh, fight. Fist as fight. They, Fist as, fight. As they try, and, you know, there's some interesting angles and shots of Black Canary and others as they float through space unencumbered mm-hmm. by the, the gravity that would weigh people down. And Dinah gets, you know, that moment that every married person wishes for. She gets to beat the living crap out of her husband. Yeah. <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> so she's got that going for her. And then in that last panel of that page, we get to see, uh, you know, the Earths emerging from the bleed once again. Red skies, multiple Earths. And then we flip to something that I'm glad we we finally bring up after the um, cancellation of the new Adam with Ryan Choi. We get to see Ryan Choi and Ray Palmer together getting ready to dive through the multiverse to find a new right. place for everyone to live. But this is still weird. I mean, all this crap is going on outside, and Amanda Waller is still giving Renee Montoya a tour of the facilities. <laughs> I mean, it's just so weird. It, to the point where I like this, I like this page where uh, Room 90, where the psychics uh, are trying to purge people of the anti-life equation. And who do we see there? We see Miss Martian. Right. But who is the guy in the costume, or is that just a guy with a ripped shirt? That's not Nightwing. No, I believe that's Mento from the Doom Patrol. Oh, okay. Is there Men anybody talk. else? Is there anybody else in that panel that should stand out to us, but does not? Or that Probably, I'm not but I'm not. I'm not seeing anybody Martin. other than Mento and Ms. Martian that I would immediately <laughs> say. And then the the mystics are attempting to contact the Spectre, but of course things are going on in uh, in uh, what is that other series that DC has going on? Revelations, Final Crisis, Revelations. So he's a little mm-hmm. preoccupied, especially with uh, uh, Christmas Allen being killed in that in yep. that series. And I then think see, I see Tracy thirteen in that panel. Yeah, she should be in there. Uh, we saw Doctor Occult. I see his back to us or side Hound, to us. Houndgun of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Is that the guy on the left? Brotherhood of Evil the, Mutants. The gentleman. The with the gentleman the, with. Or excuse me. The Brotherhood of Evil. My bad. With the huge um, the gentleman uh, with the headdress. Dial. Yeah, this is an infinite crisis. That's Houngun, and I believe the Who's woman the in the foreground. The yeah, I believe that's the enchantress from the Shadow Pact. She had the long gloves and she had the blonde hair. Okay, let's see if anybody else. Uh, da, 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 da. Do you see somebody mentioned Zachary Zatera? No, I think that's still. Uh, I think you're right. Doctor Occult is probably. A I think it person. is Doctor Occult because if you look at it, you see I can see. What looks like it might be the, the outline of a trench coat. Yeah, and a black mask or something hiding mm-hmm. his eyes. I would go with that, too. And then, of course, the uh, Hitler Supergirl from Earth-10, or right. Earth-X, uh, they're doing experiments on. And then we get to the reveal of what the Black Gambit is. Now, when I read this, this is this page, or actually these two pages, 
that featured this element was probably my favorite part of the whole series hmm. so far. Where we go into this room and there's this huge gold orb, and they're calling it the Omega Offensive, and of course there's all these Omax around. Um, and then floating in this big jar is this voice. And who do you think that voice is? Who do you think that disembodied brain is? David Banner. <laughs> I was going to say Maxwell Lord. Lord I. Yep. The brain of Maxwell Lord in the Brother I Matrix. Possible. Yep. yep. Lord I. I was struck. I was struck by some more Kirby love with the faceless men in the black jackets. Now, are these supposed to? Are these what Kirby characters are these? Because I thought that maybe these were clones or people that were using question technology to they look like faceless characters from the omac series oh okay um just like you know we mentioned last issue that they we had the uh robots stored in cubes like omac himself right right the the global peace agency i believe wore face masks like that featureless face masks in the omac series to uh basically to say that justice has no face or I don't know, justice is not about people or some such. And is that why do you think that they're recruiting Renee? Because she has an unprecedented level of law enforcement experience? No, she doesn't have a face either. Okay. I love this part, guys. If Professors Palmer and Choi are successful, we will will core through the bulk into a parallel universe. We want you to lead a global peace agency that will establish the remnants of this world on another. I just find that whole... I, I just find that whole concept... Really, really cool. Because here's the out, really, is we can reboot, as I mentioned in in my uh, review up on Major Spoilers, they can reboot the entire universe by pulling the survivors from Earth Prime, because this Earth has never been given a a numeric number. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Earth Prime. They could pull the characters from Earth Prime that they want, drop everybody else off into this parallel world, and start telling new stories in this parallel world. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, but I can't imagine how this is going to be considered any less complicated than the original Crisis. <laughs> oh, crises! All right, what's yeah, going on with uh, what's going on with Lex Luthor and Doctor Savannah? Bald guys on parade, uh, calculators getting hung. Notice uh, for this last—I don't know—these last two issues, Libra really hasn't been given a lot of pomp and circumstance. He's just kind of there. Mm-mm. And in fact, in, in these two pages, uh, Libra's back, except for one panel, is is to the audience the entire time. And uh, Lex Luthor and Savannah come to their senses, and Lex opens up his super suit, and he blasts a hole through Libra, killing him in just, you know, a couple of panels. And it's not really a big battle or a really big send-off. I equated it to be the exact same way that Libra killed Martian Manhunter in the first in the first book. Hmm. This very non, you know, it's a big thing, but it's a very non thing in in this hmm. in this series. I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of crossover that deals with this. I don't know, but oh, God, in I wrestling terms, this is what we call the punk out. Oh yeah, where the character is not just taken down; they're not just defeated. They're defeated so easily that you wonder why they were ever considered a threat in the first place. I wonder, mm-hmm. do you think people were really upset over the Libra character being the big bad? Or, you know, we, for a long time, we were meant to believe that Libra was some big, high, powerful guy, and he's just this guy. 
Mm-hmm. Libra, Almost. he's just this guy, see? <laughs> Libra's <laughs> just this guy, you know? He's that be a hypocrite um, reference. I think one of two things is happening here. More likely, there's something more coming with Libra that we haven't seen yet. I think so, because otherwise it means that they were either talking through their hat or wrong Mm -hmm. when they said Libra was going to be a major player. I feel like Libra, the balancing, the scales, I think there's something going on here with maybe with anti-life, I don't know, with New Genesis, blowing the guts out of a minor supervillain on panel, even if you're Lex Luthor, right? They said he was going to do something important. Now, if all that was was you know, again, the punk out killing the Martian Manhunter, like you say, that essentially senseless murder or you know, anticlimactic murder. Mm-hmm. Well, here you have know. again. Here you have uh, Talkie Tawny gathering up the Monster Legion. Right. You have uh, maybe a way for. Uh, Shiloh Norman to save all those people at Checkmate and the Omax. And then you have Lex Luthor, who has this device with Dr. Savannah that can control that population of Justifiers. And so maybe yeah. now he's got his his army to fight back. Exactly. Again, and- you know, I know you mentioned Mr. Miracle and, and Shiloh Norman and uh, Sumo, but where's right. Highfather? Where are the, where's Orion? Where are all these other good new gods? They're dead. Orion was killed in issue one. Remember, Hal Jordan was yeah, on but trial for apparently his- so was Darkseid and all these other guys, and yet they've come back to inhabit these bodies. Well, there was a good new god named Fastback, who was essentially a blonde guy who ran really fast. Mm-hmm. He may have put on a red suit and traveled through time and pretended to be somebody that Wally West would respond to as a mentor. Who's this again? Fastback. Really? Of the new gods. Really? That was yeah, his I don't name? Think, I don't think any of it's true, but it's funny. Oh, you're mm. just making it up and pulling my leg? No, Fastback existed. I don't think that he's Barry Allen. Fastback was a god of new uh, Genesis. He could run really fast. You should wiki him. He was, you know, another one of those Kirby characters. He had little circles on his feet. <clears throat> well, all I get is the Fastback automobile. <laughs> all right wiki. i kind of like that car though so speaking of barry barry and jay and wally are all gathered three great speedsters and um that tastes great together <laughs> uh, uh, barry says please take care of iris jay says hey no problem uh barry keeps talking about the black racer who apparently he's a good new god right no he's just um, an amb- ambiguous new god the Black Racer is the embodiment of death for uh, the fourth world characters. Okay. So he's neither good nor evil. He's the end. And he's been played on both sides of the equation. There's a, there's a reference to him being the Black Flash. Right. Which Well, that's what... Uh, what's that say to That's you? actually been floating around fandom for a while now. Remember, Grant Morrison... Yeah. And Mark Miller, working together, wrote the stories of the Black Flash. Yeah, yeah. I like those Black Flashes, and in fact, Wally says, hey, I've outran this guy. But I like your idea that maybe Barry has been inhabited by this, this fastback or some. That would be interesting, because that would explain why the Black Razor is trying to catch him. Yep. And I, that's the other thing about Libra. I mean, there's something 
I, I just keep getting these, you know, these weird implications that there's a link between Libra's return and Barry's return. Both characters were discorporated throughout the universe into a chunk of molecules, one going back in time, one going outward, expanding like the Big Bang. And yeah. I'm thinking that something is going on, whether they're inhabited by new gods or whether they're somehow linked and together are going to be part of this. But I really think that, you know, writing Libra off at this point, it looks like Libra's dead, just as it looks like, you know, Barry's Barry. I'm not entirely sure that either statement is 100% true. Hmm, okay. All right, so they go racing off into whatever, for whatever reason, we still don't know. I mean, it's not even spelled out here why they're going to race off. I mean, apparently that bullet that's been fired backwards through time already met its mark. And so are they just out racing the Black Racer? Is that, that the only thing? Barry says something about to get to Darkseid. Darkseid is at the center of a and personal we, singularity. To get to him, we'll have to run faster oh right, than we You have to travel to. faster than light. But, of course, if you're Batman, you can walk through a black hole without a problem. Well, he's... And this is where we get to... I don't know. This is where we get to the big moment that everybody's talking about. Darkseid, who looks nothing like Dan Turpin now, is sitting in his throne room... And Batman, who has escaped from the lump and the cloning chamber, comes staggering in, and they have a confrontation with one another. He said, uh, Batman says, I made a very solemn vow about firearms, but, but for you I'm making a once-in-a-lifetime exception, a gun and a bullet dark side. It was your idea. Radeon toxic to your kind. I sealed the bullet that killed Orion in my belt for inspection. And then Darkseid says, what? Do I make myself clear? And then he says, can you outrace the Omega Sanction, the death that is life? And uh, Batman shoots the crap out of Darkseid with one of these bullets. It's, this sequence to me was hysterical because I read it in the airport waiting for my wife to return. And every line out of Batman's mouth, my brain heard as Sam Jackson, as Jules from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have shot Orion. Do I make myself clear? What does High Father look like? What? what does High Father look like? What? Say what again? I will put this batarang <laughs> up your ass. See, and it's funny if you listen like that. Yeah. I, I like that this is and this is the thing that uh, I will get into Grant Morrison's head a little bit to reveal the metaphysical. You know, Grant Morrison has been talking about deconstructing Batman. He's the only character that hasn't died and been brought back to life uh, that we know of in a major arc like some of these other series that have been going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's been deconstructing Batman the last, what, two years that he's been writing the Batman series, getting the black hand involved. They're trying to break him and they realize that they can't. But it seems to be that Batman has taken this vow, and again, in this current form of Batman. Now, other forms of Batman, the Golden Age Batman did use a gun. But in this modern yep. retaking, this reboot of Batman, he doesn't use a gun. So the last thing that you would expect Batman to do and still uh, be Batman is the gun. And so by killing Darkseid with a gun, he ceases becoming Batman. And then, of course, the Omega Sanction beams hit him, and he dies anyway. Well, it... Batman became Batman because of a gun. By a gun. Yeah, and you, yeah. you look at it from the perspective of, if you're looking for a bookend 
just you know, and nothing really ends in comics. I mean, Jonathan Osterman said it best: nothing ever ends. But if you're looking for a bookend to that, you know, it started with a gun, it ends with a gun. It, this scene worked for me for a couple of reasons. One, it's Batman the way I see Batman. People say, oh, "Well, if Batman has a second to plan, he can do anything." And that may be mm -hmm. true. That's not as much fun to me as the fact that this is Batman. This is a human being pushed beyond the limits of exertion. This is a man who is literally at the end of everything. And he's got one thing that he needs to do, and so he's going to do it. It's not about uh, him being smarter. It's not about him being resourceful. It's about the fact that the one thing that he thinks he needs to do is the one thing he mm -hmm. promised never to do. But he's Batman, and Batman is above all pragmatic, so he takes the gun and he shoots him. And when Morrison was writing JLA, one of the most delightful bits of characterization was Batman's little laugh, the little huh. You see it in the, in uh -huh. the panel where Darkseid goes down. There's a scene yeah. in, actually in the Rock of Ages arc where they're fighting Darkseid, where we reveal that Batman has spent 15 years on the planet Apocalypse pretending to be Dissad. Right. And Batman right. says something about having tortured Desaad and decided that, turns out, he wasn't as tough as he thought he was. <laughs> that moment, that little, that, <laughs> that little laugh is as much emotion as Morrison gives Batman. And when it happened in that series, it only happened at those times when Batman, you know, when a, when a normal character... He's trying it, to crack a joke. Right, when a normal character would respond with emotion, Batman would, you know, do that little... <laughs> And it's it's a little like butthead in my mind, but he knows he's the, <laughs> I am a, the Batman. I need to be for my cornhole. <laughs> but it's it's it, it's that it kind of like, sounds like a stunted like Nelson to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that to me is is very delightful. And then the moment where he says "gotcha," and then dot. Yeah, he did what he needed to do. Okay, now let me ask you this because. This term has been used many different times in many different ways. Darkseid can shoot these beams out of his right. eyes. Sometimes they're referred to as the Omega Sanction. Other times they are referred to as his Omega Beams. Is there a difference? Is he shooting out two different beams from his eyes? Or is this Morrison referring maybe back to the original concept of what uh, Darkseid may have shot out of his eyes? I can face? tell you that I was unfamiliar with the term Omega Sanction before this issue. Now, that okay. doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't happen or that it wasn't referred to as such. Okay. I had only seen it referred to as Darkseid's Omega Beams. But mm -hmm. again, as with, you know, a lot of the things, occasionally when, you, when you've read 750,000 comic books, you might miss a little something here and there. So I'm not saying that they've never referred to him as the Omega Sanction. It's a cooler name. And yeah. I think that may be why they did I it. It's a cooler name. I saw up on, on one website that the Omega Sanction was used in Seven Soldiers, Mr. Miracle, that when struck by these Omega Sanction beams, that you endlessly live out all of your possible lives. Kind of in a hell among hells kind of thing. Something that we already saw Grant Morrison do with Batman in that chamber in the uh, as he was re reliving essentially all of his Golden and Silver Age lives. Right. and some of the cross stories in there. So I wonder if Batman, Batman's essence isn't still somewhere. They're always, and it's just the shell of the man that is dead. There have been some rumors that Bruce Wayne or Batman 
was going to be the first god of the fifth world. I think uh, that's what I was leading up to. That's what I was going to talk about at the end of this at the end of this series. Um, if Maxwell Lord's globe plows through the multiverse and finds another finds another world that they can all live on, what happens to this Earth Prime world? Does it become the new New Genesis and the new um, apocalypse? Apocalypse. Then does that mean that Batman, if he does rise, does he then become the new New God in this fifth age? Uh, there was talk that that the superheroes might ascend to that level. That Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman would all become new gods in Grant Morrison's new world. You think that's going to play out, Rodrigo? No. Why not? Well, sure, it'll play out for about five seconds, then somebody will be like, oh, wait, we have to sell comics featuring Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Never mind. Matthew? It's an interesting concept. Again, I don't see how this is any simpler than the original Crisis. Um, <laughs> in fact, it's is it considerably to be? more. Well, and that would seem to be the whole point. That seemed to be what Didio was. Every time I hear that, I see the, the little um, the dodo bird from the but it seems to have been designed as a simplification or maybe a streamlining of concepts to where we have that, hey, it's our new 21st century DC universe. Ha ha! But that yeah. may just be me. Uh, the next page that we get to is really kind of all the characters saying goodbye to one another as they believe the world is ending. And we actually see the Black Gambit put, in, put into play. Yep. So there's going to be something. One of these Earths that have not been named yet is going to play a big role in a coming series from DC. I'm going to say it's going to be Earth 53. Well, who knows? Because 53 is a lucky number. Yeah, this is, this is Earth 53. Yeah, this that's is true. A new- I like, is, is Grant Morrison a Green Lantern fan or not? I think... Is he a fan of the Green Lanterns? I can't tell you for sure, but I think keeping the Green Lanterns out of play is a conscious move. I don't yes. know if they're keeping him out of play because he doesn't like them, because Green Lanterns' powerings might somehow you know, make the fight a little more winnable. Or mm-hmm. if there's actually some moment that he's working up to where the Green Lanterns, you know, kind of like in Infinite Crisis, where the Green Lanterns get to break in and have their big dun da da intergalactic cop, dun yeah, Calvary, where they yeah. all show up and show them their middle finger, so to speak. <laughs> so then we get this classic look up in the sky, and it's Kal-El ripping all hell. And Our theories uh, about Metron are born fruit as well. Yes. Yes, that that was yep. Metron. Uh and then Superman returns with the burned, charred corpse of, of Batman. The two-page spread where Superman blows through Bloodhaven. I want to yeah. take a moment and look at this, because this is, this is All right. to me, this is as catalyzing, as, anti, as uncharacteristic a moment as Batman with the gun. Because if you look at it, Superman enters at hypersonic speed with his eye beams on full blast. Even Kara can't believe what's going on. He's screaming. He looks like a Rob Liefeld character. 
<laughs> takes out the female fury. Except, except he doesn't have that lower jaw jutting. He out. takes out the female furies in a panel. I mean, literally right. just cuts through them like Sherman through Georgia. He's causing as much property damage as anything that the villains have done, and he smashes into Darkseid's little thing. I think it's it's is it the Command D bunker or is it the Singularity? Yes. Yes, that, that's and he what it would be. smashes into it, and there's this huge kind of mushroom cloudy explosion thing. Where and then all of the other characters are looking up and saying, "Look what they've done! It's the end of the world. What can we do?" Right. But it's the moment where Superman, the character who's known for you know not going in and opening up and just taking everything out with full power, Superman is about restraint. Superman is about control. He's like the Power Ranger ideal of. Don't escalate the fight to your next power level until they do it. So you don't bust out the giant robot, so to speak, until they bust out the giant robot. Superman comes in with full guns blazing. And then we get the moment where he's broken in and what he pulls out of the singularity is the body of Batman. And thank God Morrison didn't make Superman all weepy cry. I'm tired of seeing the emo Superman that's crying at every little thing. I love the fact, and this looks like Doug Monkey's art to me, on the last okay. page, with yeah. the Superman looks like he is highly pissed. I would Superman agree. looks like he's about to break his Kryptonian foot off in somebody's apocalyptic <laughs> ass. And that's a, that's a Superman I can kind of get behind up to a point. I don't mind cry, weepy crying, oh, the humanity, Superman, but he, you've killed my... Because he's not the... Well, I take that back. You know, in the first crisis, he was holding uh, the first Supergirl but, and was openly crying on the cover. He's family, not doing that His here. only living family member... I mean, but this is his best friend of all time. Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 different when when you're Superman. You know, it's yeah, it's true. the last blood relation that you have to your whole lost planet. I mean, but Kara Zor-El is apparently kind of, apparently no one's read New Krypton. Oh hush. <laughs> Kara Zor-El kind of represented his last ties to his blood family, and uh, you know, you love the Kents, but essentially, uh, you're Superman and they're worms. But. Right. It comes down to that point where, you know, not just a friend, a close friend, a colleague. And I mean, the Batman response, you look at his face and there's definitely grief there. But it's it's grief mm -hmm. of the somebody going to get kicked in the face rather than, yeah. you know, you killed my teenage cousin. She had so much life in her and bloody, bloody blue. And also all the time in the 60s, I dreamt about what it would be like to marry her. But that's not creepy at all. You've been listening to How to Murder the Earth, written by Grant Morrison, J.G. Jones, Carlos Pachenko, Doug Monkey, Marco Pacheco. Rudy. Pacheco and Monkey, Doug Monkey. Marco Rudy, Christian Alami, and Jesus Christian Marino. Christian Alami, it's French. <laughs> and and Pachenko is like a... No, that's Pachinko. Yeah, it's it's like a... I remember... Japanese pinball. I remember... What, what are you guys' overall thoughts of this... Of this uh, of this issue. Rodrigo? Uh, don't even ask me. Matthew? I've liked every issue of Final Crisis better than the one previous. I would agree with this you This is that. my favorite issue thus far because it doesn't necessarily fill in the blanks, but it's like that point in a game of Sudoku where you realize that the end is near. 
and there's that combination of relief that the end is near and sadness that the end is near and disbelief that you're playing Sudoku. <laughs> and that's what I get here. It's like a man next issue is going to be the end. Superman's going to kick some butt and man next issue is going to be the end. Thank God this thing is finally over. And also what is Grant Morrison smoking? How can I get it? And do they sell it by the pound? Yeah. You know, I, if I were to give it a rating, I, I give it like a three and a half. I do like it better than the last because there's actually stuff going on. But still, to know all these nuances of who all these things were that we were covering just now, it's, it's really hard to get through and understand all that. And that may mm-hmm. be a barrier, like for Rodrigo, of getting into this whole series and understanding what DC is going to do next. Well, I can make a, a, a kind of a, a comparison. Back in, back okay. in the day, uh, Bruce prisoner from the major spoiler forums and I were reading Kingdom Come by Alex Ross. And it came out, mm-hmm. it didn't come out exactly monthly. So when the issues came out, you had to look back and go, wait, what happened in the last issue? And by the time you got to the last issue, you're like, oh, well, there's the whole, you know, it's the overarching plot. But then when the hardcover came out with the annotations and everything collected all back right. to back, it was like an entirely new reading experience. And I suspect that the breaks in production, the breaks in you know, in shipping, are going to make this one. You know, I'm 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 going to go against my normal thought process. This one is going to read better in the trade. They're not trying to write for the trade, yeah. but they have unintentionally created a story that's going to be so much better in the trade, especially if the trade includes annotations and explanations. And Nick Suotan is the watcher of Planet Five Hundred Five. Yeah, of Earth Fifty. I think he was the of watcher of Planet of Earth Fifty. One or fifty-two, the one that got destroyed, I think, 52. twice in in Countdown. Uh, before we end this this bonus episode, I want to take a look at the DC promo for the Battle of the Cowl, and let's just name off who some of these characters are under the mask. If we go uh, left right. to right, the first one is got to be uh, Tim Drake because right, he uses that bow staff. Right. The next Batman would be Tim Drake again, or not Tim Drake? I'm sorry, Dick Grayson. Uh, Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson. And then, the reason I think that it's Dick actually is if you look at his chest symbol, the bat mm-hmm. looks more very much more nightwingy. nightwingy. Yeah, who's the next one after that? I think I've got them. I want to say nailed down, but Rodrigo's got my copy. I want to say Two Face, of course. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Two Face, and then we've got Batwoman, right? And then we've got Damien and Hush, right? And in the foreground, on then, standing on the box, we have a heavily armored, gun wielding Batman that I suspect to be Jason Todd. Okay, you think Jason Todd, I think Asbat. I think Asriel. Okay. But he's not spiky enough. That's that's the only thing that I can think of. In the most recent, and I forget if it was Detective or Batman or one of these, re- you know, uh, Requiem for a Friend pieces, um, there's the new Asriel is being created and launched, and there's a shot with him wearing some kind of a mouth guard that looks like that. I, for me, I would think Jason Todd would still be... I don't know, Red Robin kind of costume. Yum. <laughs> um. Red Robin. But you're right, it, it could be Jason Todd, although that seems to be a little bit more techie than what Jason Todd has been portrayed in. in Maybe past. it's Jonah Hex. There you go. Guns Guns don't <laughs> scream out Jean-Paul Valley to me. No, they don't. Guns. And that's why I'm, I'm curious as to who this is going to be. Guns. Maybe it's Hugo Strange. Could be. Guns and armor to me just who, say, you know, Jason Todd, final solution, kill him, kill them all. So who is the arm extending from the box? What's in the box? It's definitely a female hand. If you look, it's got 
What's in the box? It's got long nails, and they're they're polished. What's in the box? So I'm wondering if it's <laughs> maybe Jezebel Jet. What's in the box? Okay, do you think it's her? Because is the hand black? Is it? Is she wearing the black glove? Yep. No, it's but it's a, definitely. A, is it Catwoman? Caucasian looking hand. Is it Catwoman? It's a female mm. hand. Why would Catwoman be in a Wayne Enterprises crate? It's Talia. Why is why is Harley Quinn in here? Because they needed a little estrogen to offset all these dudes. Is it because the Joker might really be dead too? And this is going to be the, you know, the the main mastermind. I mean, I can't think of any reason why she is in this shot. Other than you have to balance it out with a girl on both sides of the picture. Well, I mean, why is Alfred in the shot? Well, and why is he wearing commando gear? Alfred has been long established to have been a French commando. uh... I know, but why is he wearing it here? Why is he, what, you know, this is kind of a, those two, the Harley Quinn, the uh, arm in the box, and the Alfred figures, those are all the ones that have me most interested in Battle for the Cowl, because I want to see how these three tie in. Hmm. She's, she's leaning on a motorcycle. I'm right. wondering if the motorcycle has any type of significance. Here's something else that I just now noticed. The penny is scarred with three X's instead of two. The Joker is backwards. <gasps> the giant Joker card is backwards. The J is reversed. So I'm wondering if there's symbolism in that. Yeah, the giant coin. Oh, there's got the be. giant coin. So, whoa, wait a minute. And Alfred. What if Alfred uh, is in front of the Tyrannosaurus Rex? Maybe Alfred's going to be trapped in the war that time forgot. <laughs> I was I was going to say, out of all these people, you know who I hope becomes Batman? The, the dinosaur. <laughs> that would be awesome. Rawr, I am bat. Desaurus Rex. Because criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot who taste good with ketchup. <laughs> what if uh, I have dressed as a bat to inspire fear in them? Also, <laughs> I'm a dinosaur <laughs> to inspire fear in them. Roar. <laughs> you know, noticing that that's backward is is really, really interesting. Yeah, because it's not that they just inverse reverse the image. Because yeah, all the other text is frontwards the maybe the joker will be the batman or maybe they're saying something about the nature of of man and duality i don't know the one thing duella dent ah! joker what daughter. is right behind hush it looks like a broken bicycle wheel or something oh i just threw the the issue down uh behind hush yeah you're right it's a broken bicycle wheel my god he's the prisoner he's gonna wake up Bruce Wayne's going to wake up. In Where the village. I? You're on the island. You're in the village. You are number 27 for Detective Comics no, 27. <laughs> for the three people who did not get that. Well, actually, probably the three people that did get my joke. <laughs> I am number two. All right, everybody. Thanks for checking in with another bonus episode of Final Crisis. Play by play. Yes, we will be back with number seven when it supposedly is released on time, January 28th, which is just a week and a half from now. So keep that in mind.